0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim
1: and Shannon.
0: It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. On this Friday episode, we're going to be talking about more taxation, lots about what government is doing with our money, and we will jump into that after some inspiration. We have Emily in place of Shannon. Shannon's away taking care of our elders, so the clone in Emily will do inspiration.
1: Our inspiration today is titled Fully Surrendered to Christ. In 1920, John Sung, the sixth child of a Chinese pastor, received a scholarship to study at a university in the United States. He graduated with the highest honors, completed a master's program, and earned a Ph.D. But while pursuing his studies, he had walked away from God. Then one night in 1927, he surrendered his life to Christ and felt called to be a preacher. Many high-paying opportunities awaited him back in China. But on the ship home, he was convicted by the Holy Spirit to lay aside his ambitions. As a symbol of his commitment, he threw all his awards into the sea keeping only his PhD certificate to give to his parents out of respect for them. John Sung understood what Jesus said about becoming his disciple. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? As we deny ourselves and leave our old life behind to follow Christ and his leading, it may mean sacrificing personal desires and material gain that distract us from following him. For the next 12 years, John carried out his God-given mission wholeheartedly, preaching the gospel to thousands throughout China and Southeast Asia. How about us? We may not be called to be preachers or missionaries, but wherever God calls us to serve, by His Spirit working in us, we may fully surrender to Him. Father, help me to set aside whatever hinders me from fully surrendering to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. Well, we definitely need to surrender to God so that we have a greater purpose than just paying taxes. And before we jump into the rat race of just paying taxes, and and of course, the negative side of that that we always talk about there, I see that there's a, a place that our state is actually looking for good investment. And of course, we need to invest in things around the state. We pay taxes for a reason. We want police coverage. We want the roads to be, you know, plowed. We want to have roads that we can drive on that aren't destroying our cars with potholes and things like that. So it's, it's good, obviously, some of the areas where we spend our tax dollars and what we focus on a lot here. Oftentimes is the misuse of our tax dollars. And we will be talking a little bit about that today in some areas. But I think one of the smart areas that we're looking at spending money is rest areas. So there was an article in the newspaper a week or so ago, and it was talking about the Transportation Department releases first rest stop plans in years. So the first time in more than a decade, the Washington State Department of Transportation has released a plan to update and maintain its 47 state-owned highway rest areas each year 24 million people use rest areas in the state the transportation department is asking the legislature to dole out 375 million to 525 million over the next 15 years to keep the facilities operable most rest areas in the state were built before 1975 and folks I don't think the government needs to subsidize a lot of transportation things in in too many ways. I mean, we do in a lot of ways already. But these rest areas, I've got to tell you, are obviously built 50-plus years ago. And when we think about rest areas, they were put in place because there was long distances between destinations. So you need to stop to use the restroom, rest area, Or, you know, get out and stretch, make sure you don't fall asleep behind the wheel, get out, get the blood flowing. So these are things that are, it's important for safety, but it's also important for commerce infrastructure. If you remember back before 1975, the year prior to that was Expo 74 here in the city of Spokane. What did we do? We took out all the railroad lines out of the center of our city. Well, not all of them, but a a good chunk of them. And since then, much of what was sent by rail is now sent by semi-truck. These trucks are now a lot longer. They're not the 40-footers. Most people think about a semi-truck. If you ask them about the length, they they say 40-footer, right? That's the trailer length. They're now 53 feet. And so many of these rest areas are not very easy to navigate for commerce infrastructure. If it's in the grocery store, if it's in the retail store, the hardware store, or in your home it probably arrived in the region by truck. So it's important to upgrade those things. Here's a quote from the article. Some of our facilities would require complete demolition and rebuilding, Werner said. Werner being the uh, spokesperson for Department of Transportation here. Some have frequent water leaks and sewer issues. And there's rest areas that not only is the water not running, the bathrooms are closed, but they also have signs up that it is not clean water, you can't drink it, you can't use it. That means your truck drivers can't brush their teeth. Now, there's probably rest areas that could be abandoned, that that could be sold, you know, to somebody to develop. Because if you think about 50 years ago, there's many of our cities that have expanded out pretty close to where you can stop at a truck stop or a gas station or a private business because the distance between civilization is not as far to go so maybe some of the rest areas aren't quite needed maybe some of them just need to be specifically for right well and and specifically for commerce infrastructure for those semi-trucks if you think about 50 years of transition from rail to mostly semi-truck the size of the semi-trucks are larger uh, you know a lot of your products now you don't even go to the store for. They're coming from Amazon and and purchasing directly online. Those things get shipped in by truck. Those trucks have to park somewhere. So if you travel across the state at night, you'll see semi-trucks littering the on-ramps and off-ramps of our highway system because there's nowhere else for them to park. And so what that's doing is obviously some of the semi-truck drivers have to use the restroom. So they're using on-ramps and off-ramps. As restrooms, because there isn't room at the rest areas to park. So there's a cleanliness issue. You don't want the garbage piling up on our on ramps, off ramps. So I think some of this is a wise use of our tax dollars when you see record monies coming into our state transportation system. Part of it's via a tax and a climate change agenda that obviously isn't going to help out those truck drivers, commerce infrastructure in getting those products to the store for us. And, and here's why I'm a little bit skeptical on the wise use of these funds. So here's another piece from the article, single parents report feeling uncomfortable sending their children of the opposite sex into restrooms without supervision. According to the safety plan, transgender people would or would feel safer with access to gender-neutral bathrooms and visible external cameras, the plan reads. Many facilities were not designed for women who might be traveling alone. Women traveling alone, yeah, I wouldn't really recommend that, Emily.
1: No, personally, I I do not like stopping at rest stops just because these activities are possible to run into. But also, going back to that, outdoor cameras for what exactly? Is there any specification I mean, there's no use for really having the cameras out there unless there's violence or things that happen outside of there, which is a whole separate issue.
0: Well, I think cameras, we live in a world where there's cameras everywhere. I do see that if there was a camera, most of your rest areas in Washington state will say that the laws... are enforced by Washington state patrol. There'll be signs up because safety at rest areas have been a problem, uh, drugs and prostitution in some rest areas, especially right. on rural highways that is a commonplace thing. And so, you know, having cameras up might be okay, but the problem I see with that is that the people that are uh, in the criminal element are probably going to disable and destroy those cameras. Right. Unless they're high up on a light pole and inaccessible. So I I could see that there could be some value in the cameras, but as you know, most of the rest areas that you go to have the family bathroom. Right. Right. And that was created uh, before we didn't know which bathroom to use. And (laughs) so these bathrooms were so that Parents could take their children in, change their diaper, things like that, and so I, I think it's great to have those family bathrooms still. But bringing in the transgender agenda into transportation, I, I think we already have the uh, basically gender neutral bathrooms in the family bathrooms. They are still labeled men and women typically, but you know it's it's smart to have facilities that accommodate people. That they're clean and they're safe but again 50 years of not really investing in in the rest areas a lot of them are old dilapidated people don't want to use them you know when you and I traveled across the state we didn't stop at rest areas we stopped at newer truck stops right well that was also so we didn't
1: have to sit on a silver toilet that was freezing cold and disgusting (laughs)
0: Yes, well, <laughs> you know, even some of these older rest areas, they do have heat in the bathrooms, and right. so they're not they're not too bad. I, and I I know the state does spend some money in keeping them clean and and somewhat maintained, but they are really old, run down. You can see that there's thirty layers of paint. Yep. on them because of, you know, covering graffiti. Or, or yeah, just cover- I was going to
1: say in the bathroom trying yeah. to cover graffiti or random Or just keeping it clean, on the wall. you know, yeah. that, the
0: paint can only be cleaned so many times. So I think it's a smart investment. I just think that obviously our state oftentimes finds ways to make it more expensive than it should be. But commerce infrastructure, if we don't keep that going, uh, we're going to see more and more of a problem on our highways,
1: I think most of the worry is just where they're going to put it in more of the beautification as we see a lot of the new infrastructure that is here when they say they're going to change it so that it's more economically and environmentally safe. It's a lot of the beautification style. And I think that's where a lot of skepticism comes from is, is it going to be better? or is it just going to be beautified?
0: Well, the problem with the beautification too, is then you have to pay to maintain that. Exactly.
1: Which our state does not do much of a good job with Well
0: And one of the barriers to adding um, rest areas or, you know, taking some out, when when you talk about beautification and the cost, if they do that, here's one of the things with, with Washington state projects, a certain percentage of commerce infrastructure, the state has to spend money on art. So I could see a lot of this money wasted putting in pieces of art because it has to be like 10% of the, the spending on the infrastructure. So yeah, obviously we could save some percentage right there because most people don't want to go to a rest area to see art. And much most of, of it deteriorates over
1: time and it only stays within a couple years and then it's faded and basically garbage.
0: And it's just another attractant for graffiti. Exactly. So uh, another area... Where government has spent some money, and we just went through a battle in our own neighborhood about a dog park because we want more amenities for people that don't have a place to run their dog because they're stuck
1: in an apartment.
0: They're stuck in an apartment, they no longer have a house. There was an article in a newspaper here this month about, in the spokesman, citing garbage insurance and Spokanimal hands off a dog park operation. So we just had this dog park that was going to get proposed for our neighborhood that we fought it, and the people. That live there don't want it. They said, "Look, nobody's gonna maintain this. Who's gonna pick up the feces? Who's gonna keep the garbage cleaned up?" Well, the nonprofit shelter uh, managed Spokane's first leash-free location for the last thirteen years. So this was a park at Highbridge Park, and the Spokane Animal uh, Nonprofit had struggles trying to get. Funding to continue to operate the dog park. Of course, Spoke Animal also operates a shelter, pet food bank, and some other th- services having to do with pets. Uh, it was contracted as the city's animal control service provider at the time that they got the dog park contract and after that contract lapsed they could not afford to manage increasing levels of garbage being left at the dog park said dory peck executive director of spokanimal we decided that managing the dog park isn't feasible for us anymore peck said we can't keep up with the garbage and we have a new insurance company and dog parks aren't the favorites of insurance companies because we can't control who goes there but we're responsible much of the garbage seemed to come from homeless people that frequent the park peck said so basically the city's on a path forward to increase the number of dog parks but obviously have no plans on how they're going to fund exactly fund and maintain it we're going to take a break we'll be right back You know whether we have a lot of snow or not right spokane perspective wants to wish you and yours a merry christmas with these words that shannon has for you
1: the giving of gifts is not something man invented god started the giving spree when he gave a gift beyond words the unspeakable gift of his son mr robert flat
0: thanks again from right spokane perspective and thank you Listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to com and donating or by sending those donations to right Spokane Perspective LLC, P.O. Box 7620-99207. Have a Merry Christmas. And welcome back to right Spokane Perspective on this Friday episode. Yes, we're talking about some areas where the government could possibly spend its money wisely. It probably won't, but there are things we do need our government to pay for that we have generously already paid for with our tax dollars. And at the state level, we see lots and lots of spending on a whole plethora of things that a lot of folks probably are not in favor of us spending that money on. And so I'm going to take the state budget in backwards news reporting from a week ago. And and the reason why is the state budget has exploded. I think around the time that I started paying attention to the state budget, I think it was about $25 billion. And we are now at a $70 billion supplemental budget. Inslee proposed $70.9 billion for the 2024 supplemental budget. So they passed the the general budget Last year, now he's looking at the legislative session this year, where most of the budget is already in place. They just look at the amount of money that we had come in that they didn't know was going to come in because they taxed us in more ways than they're keeping track of. So they're trying so, to
1: use what money they've taxed us out of.
0: Right, right. Where and it's kind of interesting too because a lot of other states, what they'll end up doing is they'll reduce taxation in places. They'll give rebates to their their taxpayers because they realized oh wait we we taxed you more than we intended to and because of this surplus that we have we passed a budget we already had plans for the state over the biennium the two years and uh, you've provided us with more money, you the taxpayers, than than we need. So we're going to give some of that money back.
1: That's what happens when you have truthful representatives <laughs> not, within your state.
0: Not going to happen in Washington state, at least not in my lifetime. Well, maybe in the future in my lifetime. We'll see. I, I, I'm not holding my breath. But in this budget, Inslee asked the legislature to spend nearly $1 billion next year to mitigate climate change. And what's interesting about mitigating climate change is most of the areas where they're looking at mitigating climate change has already failed. I mean, one one of the areas that we'll be looking at in the next article has to do with electric cars. And folks have already probably heard from uh, some other news sources how that is going. So in the behavioral health side, Inslee proposed 464 million behavioral health uh, spending dollars that would fund 110 new beds in state behavioral health facilities. Now, This reporting, I don't know who's doing the math here, but how uh, much
1: is he paying for the beds for each place? That's like an expensive bed for each person. $464
0: $464 million for 110 new beds, yeah. that For how
1: many facilities, which is not given as far as I understand from that article. Yeah, no, I, didn't,
0: I didn't see in the article either. It says, in the past year, we've opened up about 120 beds at three facilities, and now we have hundreds more in the pipeline. So Inslee proposed $21 million of the behavioral health budget, to go to the state's 988 Crisis Lifeline Unit, a 24 Behavioral Health hotline. The new money would help the program build infrastructure to allow the 988 dispatchers to directly connect callers to local mental health providers. Inslee's total behavioral health package would add to the current $1 billion in the 23 to 25 budget and that's a whole nother billion. So for the homelessness, the governor proposed $100 million of the supplemental budget to be used to continue funding a state shelter and affordable housing program and support 1,200 housing units. And for the homeless? Yes, for the homeless. So 1,200 more houses for the homeless, $100 million. And get this, Emily. He says, and it's quoted in the paper, we're going to get hundreds of thousands of people housed hundreds of thousands. How does
1: that work when many of the people are being priced out of their houses so that he's not even helping the people that are actually helping our economy grow?
0: Well, he's creating socialized housing. And so he he has a dream of creating hundreds of thousands of units of housing. Sounds a little fishy to me. According to his quote, it's not fishy, it's fascisty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's... It it smells like a a rotten fish from, uh, you know, a a bygone era where we know that communism and fascism doesn't work. And so this homeless program, it's going to deal with, uh, try to deal with homeless encampments. And we know that providing housing for these individuals is extremely difficult. They destroy facilities that they're put into. We saw that in downtown where they had emergency shelters that were set up. They did lots of damage to facilities that were, were put together in short notice. So in the because article, a lot
1: of that is they have no responsibility for the shelter. So why, why take care of it if they're only going to be there for a short amount of time? Right.
0: Well, there's no buy-in. It's not like they're It's just
1: the a ha- handout.
0: They're not exactly. every time. Well, they're not foregoing any of their welfare benefits for being in a facility that's providing you know, laundering services, bathroom showers, things like that. It's just free. They just show up. And and the problem also is, and I'm going to cover this here in a minute, that's in the article. Uh, the other problem is that a lot of them, the reason why they're in that situation is because of a drug problem. And exactly. access to all the services doesn't, they don't have to be accountable for their drug problem. And there isn't the, the proper enforcement or accountability for them to ever deal with their drug problems. So in the article, it says, since its creation, the rapid housing program has helped more than 1000 people get into housing. The governor said, okay, so it says they've housed 1200. That's what the new hundred million dollars is going to pay for. And they've already housed a thousand. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars spent this, this agenda they have to help the homeless, is going to have to change because people are not going to continue to fund it at the insane amount of money that they are are looking at uh, spending. So, going into the reason why they're homeless, it, the other part of the state budget is for fentanyl and opioid epi- epidemic. Uh, it said in 2022, more than 2,000 people died of an opioid involved overdoses in Washington. Uh, That's more than twice the number who died for the same reasons in 2019. So we're talking about opioid overdoses. The governor's budget proposes $64 million to fund fentanyl and opioid prevention and treatment, particularly for children and tribal communities in the state. So $64 million. It's pretty crazy because my initial thought when I saw that was, I thought, well, maybe what we should do is stop all the drug sales, maybe go after the drug dealers, maybe start holding people accountable, maybe drug tests for welfare. I'm going to keep saying that folks, because yeah. we've got to start holding individuals accountable. And I think one way to stop people from being so addicted and uh, the growth of the addiction of drugs is to stop the dealers, stop it at the border, stop it where it's being trafficked. So there was a hint of that in the state budget. and. What they're looking at is uh, his budget will fund four community engagement health hubs, all-in-one locations for people seeking substance use treatments. Uh, the hubs are designed to be accessible spaces to offer counseling, medication, overdose education, and social services. The money also would pay for naloxone distribution to combat opioid overdoses. So we're just going to spend more money on drugs to stop the Stop overdoses. the drug problem. Yeah, so the other question I
1: have with that is what about the after programs? Because you can't just... Leave them out there once once they're completing a program or once they get the medical treatment that they're fine. They're going to need a program to be reintegrated back into life.
0: Well, they they obviously do. There, there are some of those services, but we're looking at the emergency triage side of it. So interestingly enough, Emily, in the article, it did lay out that uh, part of the money is going to be spent for, they would fund 20 smart health machines to be installed around the state, stocked with naloxone and other health supplies.
1: Which, what exactly so, does that mean? You're just going to get drugs out of a little machine whenever you want it?
0: Um, it means that you're going to have 20 smart health machines that are vandalized and cost a lot of money to try to maintain well, before they well. abandon the spending. Because that's what we see with a lot of these initiatives is they just have to turn around. Oh, that didn't work. We wasted the money. When they could just ask people in the community, what do you think about the idea of having a uh, smart health machine that you know people can get drugs out of for overdoses and or i'm
1: sure many of those people would turn it down because it sounds like a crazy idea well, it's
0: it's insane and they already hand out these what is it the, the naloxone and and uh they already narcan. hand out these drugs yeah they already like hand candy. out these drugs
1: and none of these like are helping candy. the problem they're they're endorsing the problem because well, these people know that if something happens, they know exactly where to go it's to like, be fixed, but they also know then how far they have to go to get their next fix.
0: It's like putting a Band-Aid on a serious gunshot or, or knife wound. You're not going to solve the problem with a Band-Aid. So he did say uh, here in, in the article that $2.7 million of the budget also would be allocated to fund law enforcement uh, tracking of drug rings. So it says law enforcement tracking of drug rings. It does. It's not going to fund the prosecution and it. arrest of the drug rings. It's just going to track the drug rings, which is the insanity that we're doing in this state. So the other part of the piece of the budget I wanted to look at was transportation. Inslee's budget proposed. Uh, the state spends 16 million to fund ferry boats and expand crew training he proposed that 52 million from the state's climate commitment act be used to install electric vehicle charging station along the state highways and uh, purchase an electric ferry so, th- so here going from the transportation side of the budget we've got to jump into the other piece of the budget news that was put in the paper just days earlier Inslee proposed 941 million in spending on climate change and clean energy in washington so we just heard about this uh in the budget where he wants to fund more charging stations for electric vehicles okay so in 2023 lawmakers allocated 2.1 billion in the state climate investments okay and in these investments They're looking at uh, the biggest slice of that nearly one billion sized pie this year would go towards environmental justice programs such as distributing energy vouchers for low and moderate income. So here's what you do. You make it more expensive to live, more expensive to heat your home, more expensive to drive your car, more expensive uh, to operate a small business so they can't give you raises because they're spending the money on the Climate Change Act. And then you're going to have the government turn around and send a percentage of that back to low and moderate income consumers that you took the money from this is government money laundering, laundering, folks. So Inslee's plan proposed 322 million worth of investments in, in, in environmental justice. So environmental justice, not beyond sending vouchers to low income residents. Environmental justice is a, a piece that what we'll see spent is money's going to nonprofits activist groups that will lobby the legislature it'll go to groups to go on college campuses to educate uh, the youth about you know if they have another child they're going to create more carbon footprint if they you know, try to be, become a homeowner. The
1: indoctrination of the climate change act, as it is said.
0: That's right. E- environmental justice. So, which much really of it you don't get
1: anything out of it? There's, there's no gain coming from the, those environmental projects.
0: Well, they're not pro. Well, they are the projects, like the projects you know that we're all going to live in because you can't afford to heat your house. They're gonna, they've taken away natural gas from. Uh, resource that we can use to create energy. And, of course, at the same time, and we're going to cover this on another show, at the same time that they want to put Climate Change Act money into charging stations for electric vehicles, there, folks, this is a big issue that we need to pay attention to. More and more news and agenda-driven uh, propaganda to take out our hydroelectric dams on the Snake and the Columbia River. That's an important issue that we need to talk about here, too but they want to fund more charging stations for electric vehicles. Emily, what just got announced over the last couple of weeks by Ford and general motors, they're shutting down plants to build electric vehicles. And why are they doing that? Because consumers don't want them because the reliability and as a, Uh, vehicle the second owners don't want them and there is no third owner because the battery don't last long enough last so long and you know it's like a cell phone over time it doesn't last as long the battery dies sooner and eventually it'll get to the point where you can't get to work and the cost of replacing the battery is more expensive than the car itself double Uh, the cost of the value of the car. That's right. Okay. Well, I guess we are out of time for today's show. We're going to run off and uh, we will see you folks again on Monday. And on Monday, we do want to talk a little bit more about some local issues. So we will be with you then. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.